Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. For e-commerce businesses, revenue is just part of the story. With mounting ad costs and narrow margins, knowing your genuine profit and contribution margin is more important than ever. This is where Store Hero comes into play. By harmonizing your sales, marketing, and cost data, Store Hero delivers a comprehensive snapshot of your true profitability down to each order. Knowing that, ramping up your ad spend amidst market volatility becomes a clear-cut data-driven decision, all with a platform that values profit-first metrics. And for you, they have a special offer. Mention the unofficial Shopify podcast when you get a demo of Store Hero to get a free profitability audit for 2024. Ready to navigate the e-com game with a profit-focused compass? Store Hero's unified dashboard gives you that clarity and the confidence you need. Discover profit-first e-commerce at storehero.ai. So we are talking today with the the co-founder of Nomad the Label, an Australian women's clothing brand with what I think is an interesting um, customer profile. And well, I'll let him explain it and walk us through that. And also uh, a, a listener of the show. So always fun to be able to bring things full circle and interview someone who learned a lot of what they're going to teach us from other guests on the show. Really that warms warms my heart but our we're joined today uh donal breslin from nomad the label uh donal so say your name correctly because i'm butchering it because you have blended two accents to like really mess with me yeah so i'm from donegal in the northwest of ireland and the way that i say it is donal um but of course when you're coming from a different accent i think you've done pretty well kurt so i can't uh, i'm getting better uh, complain. Yeah. Donal. Yeah. all right i got it donal breslin nomad the label uh, I'm I'm Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Let's let's get into it. Okay, I want to know. Let's just start with simple. Uh, Nomad the label sells clothing online. A lot of people do. What what's different? What do you sell? We sell um, comfortable natural fabric, uh, primarily linen clothing, and we have found a great balance between the style and also comfort. So our customer is primarily a lady over 40 and she puts a lot more emphasis on the comfortable fit and also the breathability of the fabrics. She probably has a little bit more money to be able to support a sustainable um, uh, label like ourselves. So she's more eco-conscious and um, the clothing for us is probably a little bit more practical. Um, When a, a younger lady is out shopping she might be thinking about being a bit more sort of sexy and exposing certain parts of the body as you get older um you're a bit more conscious of the areas that you'd like to be covered and, and i think we do that really well why linen i love linen i always for years have kept a linen shirt in in my closet just because you know what i don't want to be fashion sweaty i'm a sweaty sweaty man i don't want to be fashion sweaty linen is great it breathes um, a little delicate and I'm a messy baby. So I go through, 
I like wreck or destroy white linen shirts about every other year and just replace them. Uh, but so I, I love linen, but why did you end up going with this material as kind of like a key piece of this brand? Yeah, so I'll get into it in a moment in terms of a former brand that we had, which was more boho, so it was more colorful. Um, my wife, when she started Nomad the Label, she wanted to design clothing that she was more into. So she was sort of transitioning in what she was looking to wear. And linen is a, is a natural fabric, um, the breathability aspect of things. And also it's, it's uh, plain colors. Um, it's classy, um, but yet it is casual. And uh, very much at this present time, there's a lot of trends around the world um, that's sort of in sync with that linen. And um, yeah, thankfully we've been able to ride some of that uh, in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. What, uh, was this your first e-commerce brand, e-commerce experience? What have you been doing this whole time? <laughs> so the right back to the beginning is where my wife, Louisa, and I, we met at a music festival called um, uh, Rainbow Serpent, uh, which is in the country areas that Aussies would call in the bush. Uh, I was working in tech recruitment in Melbourne at the time, and my mates actually had a market stall beside her. Uh, they were just selling onesies just for fun, and she had a market stall, and uh, she was selling stuff that you might wear at, at a festival. And we hooked up, had a great weekend uh, together, uh, formed a, a romance, if, if you like. And for us to make it work, I had to come and join her on the road. And we were for many years traveling up and down the east coast of Australia, attending various different types of festivals and events, selling our wares out of uh, a large van. And we used to live in the van as well. So you can see where the name Nomad came from. We were very much living that hippie nomadic lifestyle and we evolved into a, a sort of boho brand we'll say so very colorful beachy type and it could be sold to a broad range of people which is great when you're actually doing it in person so when people are attending various types of family events and stuff like that we'd be able to have something um, for them so we did dip our toe and got that brand up and running on Shopify but like many things in life you make mistakes uh, first time around. We would have never have been as successful with that brand, um, probably primarily because we didn't have the economics. Like you need to have a certain margin to be able to market your brand online. And also it's going to be very difficult to be successful if you're another me too brand. So in fashion, there's obviously tens of thousands of labels. To, to stand out and to cut through, you need to have something that's unique, that's different, that's um, serving an audience um, a little bit different and better than anybody else. And we didn't really have that with the first brand. Um, so we were su successfully selling it at events and festivals, as well as somewhat selling it online successfully, but nowhere near what we're currently doing with Nomad the Label. And when COVID hit in early 2020, our full schedule was just completely uh, cleared out. You mentioned transitioning from that first brand to Nomad, what, what were some of the key learnings from that transition? The learnings that I'd say is that um, you need to be focused on a certain type of profile who's willing to pay you a, a sum of money that has be a large enough average order value that you have enough to go to market. So as we all know, to be successful on e-com, to really scale, 
you have to advertise on Facebook and Meta. So the way that I always looked at it is that I need to give them a quarter of that average order value, which in our case is $60. And without actually having that, very difficult to be able to take your offering to enough people that you can grow a business. And I think that's been key to where we are today. And then the next thing is not devaluing your product. Um, I think to begin with, we, like many others, think that, well, you have to run a sale. You know, you have to discount your products. Where we did not want to do that with Nomad the Label. We wanted to offer something that people were happy to pay the full price for. And they appreciated the added extras, which is the service. Like we have built a whole business around what would this woman appreciate? During the time of the pandemic, you probably remember, there was a lot of excuses made by businesses as to why they couldn't offer good service. And I think that some of that was fair and, and reasonable, but a lot of them were uh, just using it to make excuses to why they couldn't offer it. And in our situation, we actually went further, where I myself was the customer service representative. I was wearing many hats at the time. Thankfully, I have two women today who perform that role, but I still jump in when necessary. And I would spend time with her and I would ask her questions, understanding what she is looking for in a clothing brand so that we could actually build a business around it. Like you're probably familiar with Jeff Bezos does talk about Amazon success and that when they're having board meetings, they have a vacant chair that represents the customer and nothing gets through those decision-making processes without actually considering what's good for the, the customer. And, and that's what we did. We didn't think, well, what do we want to bring to the world uh, in terms of the designs and what do we think would be good? And I believe people are a bit biased around what they think would be good for them. Meanwhile, they need to actually say, well, what would our customer want? And sometimes that means it's, it's inconvenient. You know, we used to do a lot of things around um, manual processes to deal with exchanges, to make it super easy for our customer that now we have automation that's very effective. And there's just different things that you'll do at different stages. But the key thing is that you've got to know your customer and you've got to be able to form not just the products that she likes and the way that she likes it, but also the service that she appreciates and then is willing to pay you, which in many cases can be a premium because she can go down to cheaper stores and find things that maybe in her eyes um, are similar, but people who really appreciate high quality premium uh, linen and who is also um, appreciating the service around that, that she's not going to get from anyone else. So we start with really the, the cornerstone of our success here. What we're starting with is ideal customer profile is having that extremely clear idea of who we're selling to, but more importantly, why they're buying, what they're getting out of it emotionally. Like what, it, I got a comfortable linen dress. Okay, that, that's too literal. What is the, what's the, the real emotional outcome? What, what do you think the reason they're buying? I think it's this? worth mentioning that we put a lot of effort into content. Um, you guys have all heard it out there. The content is king and one of the things that we do really well is we um, we create videos that showcase the products very well. So during the time of the pandemic, um, and just to mention, we get all of our production in Bali. 
And during the pandemic, there was no tourists there. So a lot of these beautiful villas shifted to doing uh, photo shoots. And um, we would actually get a photographer who was excellent, as well as my wife would participate when we could travel over there and actually do both the still images as well as the, the videos. So we create a whole experience for her when she sees our Facebook ads and we're in the last six months been using video wise. So we place these videos onto the product page. So there is a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, entertainment that we provide. And she can not just, um, there's a lot more she can take from the clothing that we're providing. And I think she really connects with who we are. So we're very much like a travel brand as well. So we provide that um, idea of if you were out, uh, whether that's domestic um, travel or is international, that we have the clothes that you can be able to pack and that can be effortless and make you feel elegant and confident um, when you're out and about. I get how that makes the brand stand out, you know, combined with the content. How how did you identify this, this, this niche? It's not going to happen overnight for any brand, especially in that first 12 months to 18 months. You've got to try things out. When we started out, I don't know that we had it as laser focused as we do now. And um, I think a lot of that came from me actually speaking to her and understanding what she's looking for. And then we just narrowed in and understand what she's looking for. So there's there's a number of things that really um, are key for her. Trust is huge. Uh, absolutely. Um, yes, you can do all the marketing in the world, uh, Kurt. But if you can't deliver on what you've actually set an expectation for, then they're not going to come back to you. Um, it's all good and well, you know, paying Facebook all the money in the world to acquire customers, but you will not be a profitable business if they don't return. So when our lady orders and she gets the product, and if you think back over the last number of years, there's been a lot of scams going on and there's been a lot of people disappointed on the type of product that they actually get through the mail. But in our instance, we provide an experience. When she opens it, we have natural fabric bags. We package it up beautifully. And when she holds the linen, she knows linen well. She knows it's the real deal. It's a quality premium linen. And there is a great relief from that. And thankfully, in many cases, she takes that positive feedback onto Facebook ads and she shares it and it's absolutely golden. And then we'll respond to that. So you get that, that momentum coming from that. We've had that where one lady will share it with another and we have, you know, that positive word of mouth um, experience. So the product is key. Um, creating the beautiful content that she resonates with. Um, I think that's um, also key. And most particularly, the customer experience um, is huge. Um, I personally take a lot of joy from that. I, I think in many cases, when you're dealing with large businesses, let's say banks or telcos or something like that, it can be very frustrating dealing with the type of customer service there because they're trying to put you into a category very quickly as to how they deal with your inquiry, where I feel like a lot of people like to be listened to. So our, our lady will actually call us up, share with us her, her query or her experience, and we'll actually talk to her. And we will solve her problem and we can be able to do it in a, in a, in a quick fashion. And overall, there's just a, a good experience for the customer. 
And that um, really compounded and built up uh, a great momentum to where we find ourselves today. Hey, Shopify sellers, listen up. Get ready to unleash your creativity with the brand new landing page builder from Zipify Pages. This isn't just Zipify's biggest update ever. It's a revolution in building Shopify store designs. Say goodbye to clunky designs and hello to total customization. With Zipify's new builder, you're the boss of every pixel on your site. Drag, drop, swap elements, it's all in your hands to craft the most effective layout for conversions. Zipify pages come straight from the founder of a $180 million e-com empire. These templates aren't just pretty, they've been tested in the arena with a nine-figure Shopify store. And it's easy to use. A few clicks and your product pages, marketing pages, blog pages, even your homepage will be looking sharp and conversion optimized for maximum sales. And because these templates are tested in a nine-figure Shopify store first, you know they actually work. So why settle for the standard when you can have a site that's uniquely yours? You could try Zipify Pages and their brand new builder for free for 14 days when you go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to try Zipify Pages for free. And if you tried Pages in the past and thought it wasn't for you, you owe it to yourself to try it again because the new Zipify Pages is a game changer. Zipify.com slash Kurt. Check it out. Really, the, the importance of that customer relationship in which you are very much attempting to create a relationship um, through through customer support, through content. I don't know if we we had mentioned it or you had mentioned it, but you've seen some impressive growth here, especially for what sounds to me like a bootstrap brand where you went from uh, 1 million in 22 to over four in last year in 2023. and I'm sure you know this year we'll go even further with it. What what do you think um, have been kind of other knowing you know having this niche, knowing the customer profile, um, providing great customer experience? Is there anything else you think that uh, has empowered that growth strategies or decisions? Yeah, the the key lever within any e-com business is Facebook ads and creating great content um, that you bring out into the world so the customer can be able to discover you initially. So we've been going now for three years. And in the first year, we probably sold less than half a million. And then we sold like a million, as you say, in 22. And then last year, we actually finished on 4.5 million uh, Australian dollars. So quite a lot of growth there at um, 450% in uh, 2023. The key period that I think we actually really took off and had that flywheel effect um, was about 18 months ago. Prior to that, I was using a, a digital agency that from what I know now, they were just learning at the time. They were less experienced. And I always had intentions of taking it over um, but I suppose there was a bit of like challenges around getting ahead around having that responsibility, but their results just weren't good enough. And I actually had listened to your podcast and several others where the founder or the key person in that business actually managed the Facebook ads. That is how critical it is to your business. You don't want to leave your marketing strategy, the actual success of your business, in the hands of somebody else. They will never understand your customer 
as well as you do. And they want to understand things that's happening in your business around your product drops and um, your, your, and your inventory. You know, how much stock you actually have in a product can be key around how you move around your budget uh, at the right time. So if we think back now, um, 18 months ago or so, I decided I was going to make this work. And I consumed a huge amount of content, first starting out with your sort of generic, large online courses. Um, but what you learn from that is that, that these, they're outdated. There's so much that happens dynamically and quickly inside of Meta that you need to be watching content that actually was produced last week. So some of the people that's been really good for me uh, to begin with, say, was uh, Ben Heath, um, the English guy um, on YouTube. And there's been many, many others. I have spent God knows how much time keeping on top of what's happening in Facebook ads. And that has been a key um, reason for our success. So I knew the customer and my wife uh, and the team that she works with, uh, and they actually bringing better product to the market. And through the period that I've been managing it, we've gone from spending $200 a day at a ROAS of two to currently today over $5,000 a day at a ROAS of four. And I have learned the importance of unit economics in e-com. Like many businesses, it's, it's a numbers game. And when we first set out way back in 2020, I was kind of fortunate enough that I always thought that we would do wholesale. And with wholesale, I thought, okay, well, we're making a product for $40, I would sell it to the retailer for 80 and then they would need to double it again and it would be 160 So I knew that you needed a lot of money to be able to get your marketing, but I didn't quite understand it like I do today. But thankfully, we got the pricing right from the beginning because what I know now is unless you have a gross profit margin of over 50, you probably shouldn't launch a product. You should go back and get that right because it's very difficult to go from let's say a, pro, a gross profit margin of 30 and over a period of a year push it up to 60 like that is going to be really really hard uh, to do i say um lots of kudos to the brands out there that have got low profit uh, margins that actually can be successful uh, but i think the formula for most brands is to have more than a 50 percent gross margin to be able to go to market successfully. As you know, there's so many variable costs um, as you scale in e-com that you need to be focused on, which today many more are, and that is your contribution margin or the guys over in True Classics can be calling it a, um, a profit margin. So that's always been, say, our, our North Star. But do you be, to get there, I always maintain that I need to get... Um, a ROAS of four. Now, of course, that's a blended, so it's both Facebook ads as well as Google. And there's times where it goes lower, but I will always pull it back to make sure that the budget allocation means over a month or two months that we will get that for. I know that if I've got a four, as well as a cost of acquisition that's between a 50 and 60 Australian dollars, that we're going to be profitable. We're going to be successful and that I can continue to scale the ad budget and profitably. And the key thing for any e-com business out there is getting the amount of expenditure right. So you don't want to overspend because obviously there's been a lot of examples where businesses have had 
they're 40 or even some cases 60% of their total revenue they're spending on marketing. And then when tough times came to e-com in the last uh, two years or so, uh, many of them have really, really struggled because they're too dependent on uh, Facebook ads for their acquisition. Uh, and that has definitely caused them a lot of trouble. So, but then at the same time, you don't want to underspend. And uh, Thomas uh, from Store Hero actually nominated me to come on to this. He spoke about it when he is working inside of his mother's business that if he reflects back on it, he didn't actually be aggressive enough and that he probably um, slowed the growth of where the business could be. So I have been very focused um, on the numbers. It's all good and well having a good product, understand your customer, but to actually steer the ship in the right direction, you've got to know your numbers. The, oh, for sure. It, it's so it's so difficult to make a decision. And everybody goes, oh, I'm data-driven. Yeah, you're data-driven, but if you don't know not just the budgets, you know, not just the accounting, but the actual breakdown of the numbers within that, and in this case, you know, we're talking about uh, contribution margin, unit, unit profit economics is what we're interested in. If I sell one widget, how much of that am I actually taking home? Which will then determine, okay, this is what we can realistically spend on ads. Um, and when you have a... When you don't have a solid grip on that, yeah, you could spend yourself into oblivion, but realistically, you're going to do the opposite. You're going to be overly conservative and just make your life needlessly more difficult than if you'd understood it and went, oh, we actually could have spent more than we realized. The in, so like for sure, the store hero um, works well for you. In your journey, any other apps or tools that have added value to Nomad the Label? Yeah, so I, I love this part myself, um, the vendor selection. I've been following a, a lot of top e-com stores, anybody who's been putting out uh, content, and we have adopted, I would say, a lot of the best practice um, tools that are out there. So obviously Shopify is at the core of everything. Most stores these days have Klaviyo, um, so that's key in terms of both having our flows and our campaigns. As you can gather from things that I've said, customer experience is absolutely huge for us. And Gorgeous is best breed. That's been um, huge for us during our scaling period that we're able to respond in a timely manner. And in the last, say, two months or so in Q4, um, using some of the automation that they've had there. Um, another one is uh, Loop, which is used by many of the large clothing stores. Obviously, returns is a huge part of what a an actual online clothing brand will ha will handle, and it's an expensive solution. Um, I remember looking back around two years ago and, and thinking about Loop, and it's like no way I could go there. Uh, it's just out of our price range. But as you scale and you need automation, uh, Loop has been huge for us when it comes to that. Um, in the last say six or so months, we've been utilizing uh, video wise. I knew that our success largely had come from women discovering us on Facebook because of our videos. Um, Louisa, my wife, she actually just uses a very simple tool, Splice, to take the video footage, the raw footage that she has uh, captured on the photo shoot, and then just edit it inside of Splice. And then we use them in Facebook ads, and then we convert them into MP4. And we upload them onto VideoWise, and we put them on the product page. Um, there's not many 
clothing retailers that I can see that's doing it very well, particularly in the women's. I, I think I, like, I was a bit, we'll just say, ballsy to be able to do it. But I took some comfort uh, from True Classic. So they have the stories widget and they're placing it just underneath the order uh, tab button on the product page. And we have done the same. And to be fair, it's been excellent. Those are shoppable videos. And I think you're hearing how much importance has been placed on short form video. And we have had great success from that. And I really want to harness that going forward in, in, in 2024. The So you use it video-wise to put short form video on here. And oh my gosh, it's cool. Yeah, it's like on the, the product page, there's several widgets here. And there's others I want to ask you about. But like below the product form, there, I'm on a, uh, a shirt dress. And it has two little portrait cards that are animated. And then when I pop those open, boom, there's the, the video that looks great. And it turns out it's behind the scenes from the photo shoot. Yeah, even looking at the video, you wouldn't even guess that. It's just it really, it looks great. Um, that's really cool. So I also noticed on here, under the Add to Cart button, there's a, a toggle switch, a little toggle, and it says, Add to Air Robe, Wear Now, Resell Later, Estimated Resale Value, $92. And this is on a $167 product. So let's work out that math. So they're offering me 55% of retail. So before I've even bought it, you are giving me the excuse, you know, it's like how Tesla does math. They're like, well, the car's price is this after rebates and gas savings. It's like, just tell me the actual price. Um, so here we're going, all right, it's 167, but you could resell it for 92. So really, it's only like 70 bucks, buddy. Louisa and I realized the damage that the clothing industry has made to the world. Um, now, thankfully, change is occurring and people are aware of the amount of consumption that takes place. Um, we want to be a successful business. And of course, we want to put our pieces out into the world, but we want to do it in a conscious manner. And one of the ways that you can do that is giving your customer the ability to sell or resell the product on the circular economy. And AirRobe is the solution you're referring to as an Australian business, but also um, very uh, global at this point. So the way that it works is that the customer, either at the point of sale or later on, and nominate their product to be sold again. And we very much want to make clothing that will last a long time. And we want it to be a big part of your wardrobe. But of course, it will come a time where you're not using it as much. And uh, as was in our situation, you can rebuy new stuff from us in that case. So if you want to do the right thing, you can continue to buy from us, but the stuff that you're using less, sell it on to somebody else that maybe doesn't have the same amount of buying power as you, but wants that piece and they can get it for, say, around half of that price. So that is something that, again, it's not necessarily great from a CRO point of view, but as a business, we want to limit our impact to the world and we don't want to be selling clothes that just ends up on landfill, like what you're seeing with the fast fashion. Um, appreciate they can sell a lot of stuff, but how do they sleep at night? Right, yeah. Fast fashion. Uh... Well, it does. It, it's kind of a nightmare what, what it does. I pre, so I, I do appreciate setting up that strategy. Of, hey, you know, don't just if you're done with this, don't just throw it in a landfill. 
you could get value out of it and you could pass it on to someone who will similarly enjoy it. So I do. It's very clever. I like it. Let's see. We also do one other thing, Kurt, that I think is probably worth mentioning. Um, so we work with EcoCart and I see a lot of clothing labels um, and other businesses for that matter um, work with them. And I, I quite like the guys um, over there. And that's basically just where you're offsetting your emissions, your carbon emissions from sending out your parcel. So they have an algorithm that will look out the weight of your parcel, where you live and how far it will take, and then coming up with a, a cost. And in that instance, just say it's around between 3 and, and $5. And we will actually match that donation. So if they pay $3, we will pay $3, so it's $6. And the money in this particular instance will go towards a project in the Amazon rainforest, which they're conserving the biggest rainforest in the world um, that is critical um, to our future uh, of the earth. And um, yeah, it's something that, again, probably isn't great from a zero point of view, but from a brand, um, we just want to limit our impact on the world as we grow our business. I just saw there's another widget on here. Get an instant refund with refunded. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So in the in the US, uh, when we're selling our products, um, there's an Australian business called Refunded, and they will actually, before you send back your product to us, provide you with an instant refund. Now, of course, it comes with conditions that you have to send it back within a certain period of time, um, but it gives that confidence. And when we're going into new markets like the US, we want to build that up. We don't want them to feel like if they're buying from an Australian business, that maybe there is a risk factor for them. And I just think this brings down the barriers. Uh, the other benefit that I had for us um, is that we're able to print uh, labels. And I actually have a brother who's living in California, and we've set up a system there where the labels can get printed inside of the return um, system, so in loop or refunded, and then they can actually send those parcels back to my brother in California through uh, SPS, uh, sorry, um, SPUS, and it's at an affordable price for them. And then my brother every month sends them back to us here in Australia. So uh, we've got that system in place in the US. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, I've not seen that one before. That's interesting. Uh, but you said that you that's in the US use loop returns elsewhere? Yes. Yes, right. Okay. So we got, so it's region specific. I was, I'm only using uh, the refunded in the US at this, um, this time. I'm not using it in, in Australia. Um, the system that I have in place here uh, is working quite well, and I just needed to leverage a little bit more uh, trust uh, in that new market. So I've been selling into the US now for about, say, seven months. Uh, and by all accounts, uh, we've done incredibly well. Um, we have a different strategy um, Kurt, than I think maybe other brands have and that they would say, okay, you've got this profile of customer that's doing well, let's find more profiles that we can also sell the same products to. Where we're going, no, we've been so successful selling to this nomad woman and she may only be 1% of the Australian population, but she is all around the world. This The same needs that I've shared with you, women in the US and Europe, the Middle East, they're looking for comfortable linen clothing that breathes, that's stylish, um, that they feel confident when they're traveling uh, to take in their suitcase. So during that period of selling uh, in the US, particularly in the summer months, um, we immediately took off uh, just using Shopify markets. Um, 
sending it over to them using DHL Express. So it can be uh, in their house within, say, three to four um, business days. Um, and this coming year, 2024, um, we really want to take that to the next level. And so we're going to triple down, if you like, uh, inside of North America. And I'm looking at Europe. There's some other complications in terms of cross-border trade to there. Um, I may just, for this year, look at North America and really nail that because I have the systems, processes, and the people in place to do that. But the idea over time is to be selling the Nomad brand uh, to many women um, all around the world. Crowdfunding campaigns are great. You can add social proof and urgency to your product pre-orders while reducing risk of failure. But with traditional crowdfunding platforms, you're paying high fees and giving away control, all while your campaign is lost in a sea of similar offers. It can be frustrating. That's why we built Crowdfunder, the Shopify app that turns your Shopify product pages into your own independent crowdfunding campaigns. We originally created Crowdfunder for our private clients, and it was so successful, we turned it into an app that anyone can use. Today, merchants using Crowdfunder have raised millions collectively. With Crowdfunder, you'll enjoy real-time tracking, full campaign control, and direct customer engagement. And it's part of the Built for Shopify program, so you know it's easy to use. So say goodbye to high fees and hello to successful store-based crowdfunding. Start your free trial and transform your Shopify store into a pre-order powerhouse today. Search Crowdfunder in the Shopify app store to get started. And so I think like with a brand like this, it we don't run into cultural differences. Like I would imagine that this, the messaging, the selling, other than, you know, price and a few a few spellings, whether we're selling into Australia, uh, the US or Canada, it, it probably all works about the same, doesn't it? I haven't experienced any problems. Um, to be okay. fair, um, yeah, we have we have found the winning formula. So another thing probably worth mentioning in terms of going overseas that I have found, and like many things that I've shared with you today, Kurt, I didn't come up with them. I learned them from listening to podcasts like yours and YouTube and LinkedIn and uh, we'll just say X these days. And many of the digital marketing agencies say they have success from having a, a hero product. In our instance, that's the linen pant. About half of everything we sell is linen pants. So maybe you have like True Classic, which I've mentioned a few times because like the, they're the poster boys of e-com at the moment. They've got their basic teeth. We have the linen pants and we lead into new markets uh, with them. And the reason being is because we have all of the social proof. So if we duplicate successful ads that we have in this region, and I have some of these pants that are have ads running now for 15 and 16 months, just evergreen, amazing ads, these videos, and I duplicate them, and then I bring them into the new market, say in North America, I already have all of the comments there. And that gives her confidence going, well, there's something about these pants. And then she clicks through to the product page. She sees, I don't know, I will say a hundred other positive reviews on that product she's more likely to actually make that first purchase uh, and that's what we find to be um, very successful going into this year I'm, I'm talking to shopify so we're just currently on the advanced plan um, we're selling now in aussie dollars over seven hundred thousand per month so we're probably just at that stage where financially economically it makes sense to go to plus so I'm just in sort of conversations with them whether I do that. And that gives me the option if I want to have another uh, Shopify store that I could set up dedicated to North America. So that all of those little spelling 
you know, like color, not having the U that it has and all kinds of little things that we can actually tailor to the message of, we'll just say, women, the nomad women in North America, particularly also with seasons. Um, so you'll be coming in from May and June next year into the summer where we'll be coming into the winter here in the, in the Southern Hemisphere. So we can actually like tailor drops and stuff um, and our messaging around the seasonality as well. So that's something that we're keen to do. I'd rather, again, use what I've learned and having the right message and focus on that target market rather than trying to, uh, say, adapt it to all the women around the world, depend, you know, no matter what the season that they're experiencing. You know, I hit so foolish, I had not even considered the that winter and summer get flipped. And so that actually mm. uh, could could work out very well for working through seasonality in or like smoothing it out in a, a otherwise potentially seasonal business. Because, you know, in January here, when it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not breaking out the linen, right? Yeah. But in the summer, yeah. then for sure. So uh, uh, minus one Celsius. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's great, actually. Um, so last year, they, May and June, when it was slowing down here, so we're going into the cooler months, then I could just switch my focus to North America. And I'll be honest, I was actually really surprised how quickly it took off. There was some trends that was happening in the fashion world um, around linen. Um, the, there's a sort of like an understated, you know, the, this uh, type of um, profile that we're going after is very different than somebody who wants to peacock and be loud and have bright colors. Um, so the, the, the plain natural fabrics really um, was popular um, during last summer's Northern Hemisphere. And I really anticipate that to be the case um, come June next year. And I'm putting all of the steps and uh, the planning in place now that we can take advantage of it. Do you, are there any trends or changes that you notice that you think other Shopify merchants should be aware of? Yeah, well, I think video has to be key. Short form video. That portrait video gets us all. Because you can showcase the product so much better. The customer can get a, a, an understanding as to what your offering is and be bought into it so much more than just the still images on your product page. Tr test it out. Whatever way you can go about it, it isn't as expensive as people may think. Yes, you can pay for your, your, um, your so professional uh, videographer and you know do that big piece but it can be done with an iphone there is technology out there today that that enables it that's how we do it and again as i say we do the editing using splice find a way that works for your business um and you can scale that and as i say we have some videos that are running now for 15 and 16 months and i don't see us turning them off anytime soon the you know, my, my next question was going to be, hey, what advice do you have for the aspiring e-com entrepreneurs out there? But I think that was it, right? It, it, you're only as good as that portrait video. Definitely. There is other things as well, of course. Um, the tools that you select will be key. Um, there are so many different merchants out there in different situations. So I can't say this is the formula for everyone. But if you are ambitious... Think about the tools that's going to not just get you to the next stage, but they're going to be fit for purpose when you get there. And I, I've been fortunate in many cases where 
I probably invested in some things before I was maybe financially in that position, but it actually did move the needle. It might only be 1%, but it, it got us to there. And when we're there, which we are now, it's the pro- it is the actual solution and the platform that's going to be able to get us to the next stage, which is an eight-figure brand. Um, you don't want to keep going back and solving the same problems. Find out what's going to work for you and then implement that and then you're going to be set up and you can go and think about other things so you um, spend your time solving problems on other areas of your business. That's good advice. What, uh, you know, do the things that future you will thank you for is what I heard. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what's next for, for you? What's next for Nomad the label? Well, we want to be an eight-figure brand. That's um, the big objective for 2024. And as you can hear from uh, my ambitious ambitions overseas, um, I really do see our global expansion as being able to, to fuel that. We're actually not going to be doing anything very different. We've done a lot of new stuff in, in 2023, and I just feel like we've now got the people, the systems, the processes um, in place um, to really continue this growth without having to necessarily do anything particularly new, just refine and improve and do it better and, and set the business up for long-term success. I'm very cognizant that businesses probably got ahead of themselves and thought that the growth would never end. Um, I'm still disciplined and focused on the numbers so that we can have sustainable growth into the future. Um, Louisa and I, yes, we're ambitious, but we're not really looking to be like a nine-figure brand. It's not part of the lifestyle that we want. We still want to enjoy life and, and not necessarily have the business just take it completely over. I think we want to enjoy the fruits of our labor, which involves lots of traveling um, in experiencing um, the world and, and then bringing that experiences to our business is, is very much what we're all about. I love it. Donald Breslin, Nomad the Label, nomadthelabel.com. Thank you so much for uh, candidly sharing that journey with us. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. Thank you.